Welcome to the Savvy Parent Podcast, where we help you make smart legal and financial decisions for your family. The Savvy Parent Podcast is produced by the law office of Shannon McNulty, an estate planning law firm in New York City. On this episode of the Savvy Parent Podcast, we're joined by Erin Ardley, president of Dynama Insurance, and she's joining Shannon and I to talk about life insurance. This is such an important task for parents to take care of, but it can be hard to know where to start. Erin educates us on the types of policies that exist, what you need to consider when choosing a policy, and she talks about what you need to think about as you determine the size of the policy that you get. Shannon shares what we need to be thinking about from a legal standpoint to make sure that our life insurance is used in the ways we intend if it's ever needed. Both Erin and Shannon provide tips to find the policy that's right for you and how to make sure you figure out which policy type and amount is right for you and your family. Enjoy the episode. Well, I am so excited to be back on the Savvy Parent Podcast, and we have our very first guest today. Erin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And Shannon, and as always, welcome back. Thanks, Sarah. So before we get into talking to Erin about her area of expertise, Shannon, why was it so important to have Erin on today to talk about life insurance? Well, life insurance is one of the topics that I get the most questions about um, when I'm working with clients doing their estate plans. And it's also one of the uh, things that I feel like is most misunderstood and there's a lot of bad information out there. So I think it's really important for um, for our audience to get some good information um, from somebody who I think is trustworthy. And I have definitely trusted Aaron with a lot of my, well, with a lot of my clients. And so I thought it was just great to get her perspective on things and hear about from her what is most important for for couples or individuals when they're they're planning and when they have young kids. Absolutely. I know life insurance can be really complicated. And as a parent, it was very overwhelming for me. So Erin, we're excited to have you on to, to educate us and maybe allay some of those fears that we have. So can you start off by explaining the different types of life insurance policies and, and how they work? Sure. That's a great place to start. Broadly speaking, there are two different types of life insurance. There's term insurance and permanent insurance. So permanent insurance is designed to last longer than you do. It's the type of insurance you want to have if you have a, an ongoing need for insurance that is not going to go away at a certain stage of life. And term insurance is the opposite. It's insurance that lasts for a specific term or length of time. So some common term lengths that are popular with parents would be 10, 15, 20, 25, or even 30-year term. Some states may even have longer terms. And term insurance will last for a specific amount of time or term, and then it will end. So it's a good type of insurance to have to cover during your working years, to cover you until maybe your child is independent or till the mortgage is paid off. And so that's you know very different from the permanent insurance. And I'm guessing that term insurance is less expensive than permanent insurance. Is that correct? Yes. So less than 1% of all term policies pay claims. Um, so therefore, it's very inexpensive. Whereas with permanent insurance, the idea is that it will always be there and it will pay a claim. So the least expensive type of permanent insurance is going to be a you know at a minimum four to five times the cost of term. So, Erin, I have a question. Is this, this is something that I get a lot of questions about uh, from my clients? Is that they say, well, if I just do a term policy, then I'm not getting any money back. So why should I do a term policy? When if I, I know it's more expensive, but then I have money there. So it's not just going away. So what is your uh, re- response to that question? 
So term insurance is really a necessary evil. I I definitely have clients say that too, where they say, but I'm going to pay these premiums for 20 years and then I'm going to have nothing to show for it. And I say, that's the good thing. (laughs) That's what you want to happen. It's similar to having renters or homeowners insurance. You hope your house would never burn down, but if it did, you would need the insurance. So unfortunately, it's one of those necessary evils because most people, it doesn't make sense, nor is it affordable to buy the same amount of insurance they really need to protect their families as permanent insurance. So for some clients, term is all they can afford. And it makes a lot of sense to have more coverage to give more benefit to their family if something were to happen to them, especially when they have young children. And then some clients will blend some permanent, some term. But I've never met a client in 18 years that said, oh, I need X amount of insurance for my family. Let's do it all permanent. It's just a, it's an excessive cost. So term insurance, yes, it will go away. Hopefully you throw those premiums out the window and you never needed them. And that's just a necessary evil that you have to deal with when you have a family that depends on you. <laughs> what type of clients would it make sense or what, you know, what parents out there, would it make sense to have permanent insurance? Well, the most important time to have permanent insurance is if you have a disabled or special needs child where they're going to have an ongoing need for support, regardless of you know, your working years or a certain length of time. So that's when you certainly would want to look at permanent insurance. And then some, again, some parents would say, I like the idea of always having a certain amount that could be an inheritance or a gift to my children, whenever it is I would pass away. But again, that might be in addition to, or in combination with some term insurance. So it's sounding like term insurance at a bare minimum is what parents are going to need, but you mentioned a couple of different lengths of time. So Can you tell us a little bit more about what you recommend to parents? And also, do you recommend policies for kids as well? So first of all, I don't usually recommend policies on children. Parents are not financially dependent on their children. And I think the idea is that you can get insurance for your child when they're young and they're healthy. There's so few people that I've seen that have ever needed that in my career. I I really think parents are just better off putting money in a 529 plan or a savings account or even a brokerage account teaching children how to invest at an early age, I think that that ends up being a a better situation for the vast majority of parents. In terms of the term length, sometimes people will combine different terms. So you don't have to have all one or the other. Certainly, we've had clients where they have children of different ages. So you know, maybe once the first child is out of the house, there's less of a need for the insurance coverage. So they might have some 20 and 25-year term or some 25 and 30-year term. The mistake I think people make is they think, as soon as the kids are out of the house, I don't need this insurance anymore. The kids will be independent. They'll be supporting me. (laughs) Every parent's dream, right? (laughs) But what I have seen is that if you are still working, you probably still have people that are depending upon your income. Maybe your child is now over 18, but maybe they're in grad school or maybe you're helping them to start a business. Or maybe your spouse is depending upon your income. So I think it's a good idea to have insurance that covers your working years till age 60, 65, maybe for some people 70. Because I've just found that when I meet with clients who are older, you know, 50, 55, 60, if their term is ending before they are retiring, they are usually disappointed to see it go because they still feel like they need it. I see. So I remember when I did this, I don't remember what my current term is, but I, I sort of thought about that of how long might I need to support people. And I'm guessing I didn't think far enough ahead based on what you're sharing. So if people are hearing that and they think, well, I have a policy, but maybe it's not going on as long. 
Do you recommend that they look into an additional uh, policy now? Wait until that term has ended? What do you recommend if, if they're in that situation? So it's really important to understand with term insurance, once you buy it, you're locking into a specific amount of coverage for a specific amount of price with most insurers. That's something called guaranteed level term. So that means if I buy a million dollars of 10-year term and the premium is $500 a year, the insurance company is agreeing not to increase it. It's going to be $500 a year every year for 10 years until it goes away. However, I can almost always reduce that coverage if I wanted to pay less, and I can always cancel a term policy without any penalty. So if I were to have bought maybe 10-year term, or let's say about 20-year term when I had my first child, and then I have twins, <laughs> and I need insurance, and I'm going to need it for longer. And those, those twins are going to be doctors because they're going to have to take care of me later in life, right? So I might need 30-year term. I could either add a new 30-year term or I could buy more 30-year term and cancel my old coverage if I wanted to. Um, It's important to look at the price you're paying. Usually, if you got insurance earlier, it's going to be less expensive because you were younger, but that might not be the case. And it might make sense to simply switch to have more coverage for a longer time frame. So don't buy term, cross it off your list and never think of it again. Definitely revisit it from time to time and think about if it makes sense to maybe replace it with a policy that will last longer, if you are going to indeed need to have that coverage. You don't want to wait till you're 19 of 20 and go, oops, I need more coverage. It'll be so much more expensive then. Right. And we'll get into the the how much should we get to in just a moment. But Shannon, I know clients come to you and they're in all different stages and phases of figuring out these details. When someone is working with you um, on their estate planning, do you prefer that they've already gotten their life insurance policies in place? Or is it perhaps more ideal to be figuring that piece out while they work with you on the other elements of their estate plan? Ideally, you're doing it at the same time. And for the vast majority of people, you know, just if the important thing is, is just making sure that that policy goes into, goes to who you want it to go to and the way that you want it to go to. And for most of my clients, that's in some form of trust, um, often for their kids. And so in that case, you know, we can do it after you get the life insurance and that would just be, we could do it after you get the policy. And then we just make sure that the beneficiaries, we might need to update the beneficiaries. Uh, But if we do put the policy, put the plan in place before you get the policy, then you can just do the beneficiaries as you do the policy. The one thing I would just caution is that if you're, if you have a good amount of assets Uh, we're talking several million dollars, and you're getting a several million dollar policy, then you could end up with a taxable estate. And in that case, it definitely makes sense to do your estate planning first, or even, you know, at the same time so that we can set up a trust to take that policy, the proceeds from that policy out of your estate. So that could make the difference of several million dollars that you're paying in taxes or not. And you could transfer the policy into the trust after you set the trust up, but it's much more beneficial to set up the trust and then have the trust purchase the policy. So in those cases where you have um, affluent clients, then those clients should be really concerned about making sure if you get a big life insurance policy, you want it to be purchased by a trust. Got it. That makes sense. So Aaron, obviously everyone's situation is different from the work that they do, the family structure. As you mentioned, there might be a child with disabilities, but how does a person know how much life insurance they should be getting? 
and hopefully we don't ever have to use it. But how do you how do you guide them on that? So that's a difficult question for many people, and we do have some tips. But first of all, if they're working with a financial planner or a wealth advisor, that's a great place to start. Um, it's really helpful if you know what your budget is before you try to come up with the amount of life insurance that you need. So we really like to engage not only with the trust and estate attorneys, but also with the wealth advisors so that we can help work with everyone on the team and make sure the client really gets the best advice overall. So the two things I suggest clients think about when they're coming up with their amount is their, the income that their family would need if they weren't there and also any debts that they would want covered. And so you know, if I am working, I might be making $200,000 a year, but perhaps my family would only need 100000 a year to spend. So I'd want to think about you know, not just what I earn, but what my family would actually need to spend. And I try to buy enough insurance that I could replace the income that I'm making now that they would need. Um, I'd also consider if there was any large expenses or debts that I would just want to go away if something happened to me. And for most couples, that's the mortgage in college. But there could also be, again, other obligations, a family member, a disabled child, student loans, business loans. So those are also things to consider just, again, making them disappear (laughs) in the worst case scenario with some extra life insurance. And what do you recommend if you have um, one partner who maybe isn't making as much as the other? You have one sort of traditional breadwinner, let's say, and then maybe more of a stay-at-home parent or a part-time working parent. Does that person, um, should they consider less insurance than the, the person bringing in the income? So it's important to realize that with life insurance, the policies are going to be individually written for the vast majority of clients. So the price is going to vary based on gender, age, and health of each individual person. When you think about the coverage you should you need, you should think about you know, your income, what you're bringing to the family. And so many times husbands and wives don't have the same amount of coverage. Um, but I would say it's a mistake sometimes when people say, oh, the stay-at-home mom or the stay-at-home dad, they don't need coverage because that person is providing an economic value. And so I usually joke, especially if it's the mom that's the stay-at-home mom, I'll say, you know, she wasn't around, husband, wouldn't you need like three nannies and two housekeepers and six personal assistants? And the husband usually says, (laughs) well, that's expensive. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how I thought about things. When I got my policy, I work from home and I work part-time. And if I was gone, someone needs to watch these kids. So yeah, those are the exact things that we thought about that you don't always put that sort of financial value on and it's a little morbid to think about it, but I'd rather have that be taken care of and know that my family's going to be okay in, you know, the, the hopefully off chance that something were to happen. And then there's, there's also what I like to call the emotional insurance, which is that you may have one person who's the main breadwinner, but if something were to happen to that person's spouse, they're probably not earning the exact same amount of money the year after. And so with many couples will say, you know, what, what do you earn in a year? Have that amount on your spouse, just so that you could just take a year off mentally if you really yeah. need it. Um, and I really, I call that emotional insurance. It just, you know, in a time of despair, you know, money would, would not solve all of your problems. It would certainly make life a little easier. Yeah. Now, Shannon, you touched on this, but I just want to make sure when someone does have the correct amount of life insurance, um, are there other legal considerations that they need to make to make sure that the money is used as they wish and for the people that they wish. You touched so on this already, but anything else? The most important thing I would say in that regard is making sure that your beneficiary designations are up to date because that beneficiary designation is actually going to trump your will. So sometimes people 
especially if they have done a will previously, they had previously purchased life insurance and they redo their will. And then they think, okay, everything is taken care of. But if they don't update the beneficiary for their life insurance, then you know a big chunk of their estate is going to go to maybe somebody who you know somebody who had passed away, or you know somebody who they hadn't intended. Maybe a lot of times when I see this with parents is that once you have kids, like maybe you had left it to like your aunt or something, you know, previous like five years ago. And it's really important to update that to make sure that those beneficiary designations are properly done. And also when you are working with an estate planner, you want to make sure that they, those beneficiary designations are consistent with your plan and your estate planning attorney should give you specific uh, language in terms of how, uh, how you leave that life insurance. And I will say in terms of when people are doing their estate plan, they are often thinking, well, I don't have very many assets. So, you know, I only have a couple hundred thousand dollars. So I don't really need a trust or I don't, you know, there's not going to be that much money. And I asked them, well, do you have life insurance? And if the answer is, well, if the answer is no, then there's a problem. We need life insurance. We need to call Aaron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then if the answer is yes, you know, oh yeah, I have a $2 million policy. Well, that's $2 million. You know, that, that's not a small amount of money to, for like an 18 year old to inherit all of a sudden or, you know, to not be protected at all. So that is a big part of uh, doing your estate and thinking about kind of your overall assets and your financial situation doing your estate planning. Yeah. And we're already touching on a few potential mistakes that people can make. But Erin, are there are there mistakes that you regularly see people make or that you'd like to help people avoid, perhaps? That's a great question. The single biggest mistake that people make is not shopping around. So we were talking about term insurance. This is a very simple, straightforward product. The cost from one company to another could be more than double. So the example I usually make is if you think about shopping for a flight from New York to Miami, you'll have multiple airlines that you could fly. And if you were to look on Expedia or Orbitz or whatnot, you would see that some of the flights are a lot more expensive than others. And then of course, there's going to be other features that might be meaningful to you, such as, you know, does, does JetBlue give you better free snacks or, <laughs> you know, does Delta have a bigger seat? Um, can you be in the exit row? So you would actually weigh your options before you simply just made a decision. And that flight is going to last a few hours. You might keep your life insurance policy for 30 years. <laughs> and yet I find that most people probably spend more time researching their airline tickets than they do their life insurance. And so the advice that I want everyone to take away is that it's very important to compare at least three different companies and also compare at least two different products. And this way, you'll have a better sense of what your options are, and you won't just simply be buying the first thing that you've looked at. That definitely makes sense. And I know a lot of this can be done online and you know we can do a lot of the research on our own, but if someone is dealing with a pushy life insurance broker, and we know this is not you. But if someone is, you know, working with someone and, and they feel like they're kind of getting pushed around, is there anything that we should be on the lookout for in terms of the, the people or the person that we're working with when we're making these really important plans for our life insurance? So you should really never work with someone that you feel does not have your interests at heart, whether they're pushy, annoying, whatnot. I mean, there's so many people that can help you with insurance. Don't, don't tolerate anyone that's not helping you and really taking good care of you. But essentially, there's three ways to shop for life insurance. You could go online. 
And if you do that, you're going to miss some of the details. Uh, For example, when I have clients that are getting insurance as part of a divorce, some some alimony agreements will let you reduce the amount of coverage you have over time as your alimony obligations go down. Some insurance companies will let you do that, but not all. So if you just simply go online and buy the cheapest option, you're going to have reliable insurance, but you might not have all of the features that you would want. So it's important to understand, maybe you should have paid a few dollars more for option number two or number three. The other way that you could shop is by going to an insurance company or an agent directly. When you work with someone who works for an insurance company, guess what they're going to recommend? Their employer's products. (laughs) So you're not going to get independent advice. And then the third option is to work with someone like myself and my company, Dynamic Insurance, and we're an independent insurance brokerage. So that means we can show our clients products from multiple companies, and we can make it a very transparent and educational experience for clients, as opposed to pushing what our boss wants us to sell and provide the education that you wouldn't get online. So the, the important thing to take away is the price is the same. If you buy $1 million of Prudential's 10-year term, the price is the same whether you go to Prudential, you go online, or you go through an independent brokerage. But you're just hopefully going to get a lot more of an education and you know more choices if you work with someone who's an independent broker. That's really helpful. And as we sort of wrap this up, we're still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Has anything changed in terms of life insurance or anything else we need to consider given where we are in the state of the world? So thankfully, there are some things insurance companies have done to make things easier in the insurance process. Several companies have something called accelerated underwriting. And I like to call it virtual underwriting because it means you don't have to see anyone in person in order to apply for insurance. So we can now in New York go up to 3 million and outside of New York, even in some cases as high as 20 million, where the insurance company will do a phone interview and will access your medical records electronically and they won't require an in-person exam or in-person visit. And so that's a very safe, convenient, easy way for clients to get insurance that they, they need and they probably would feel a little scared to get otherwise. That's great. That's good to know because I remember getting that uh, person coming over to my house and you know weighing me and taking blood. And right now that would feel very overwhelming. And I could see maybe you'd think, well, maybe I'd, I'll just wait. So that's fantastic that, that that's an option right now. So Shannon, anything else that you want to make sure we share with our listeners today or any anything you'd like to share with your clients as they're getting their life insurance worked out? I think it's just really important to understand what it is you're purchasing. So life insurance can be really complicated. And a lot of times if you are working with a, a life insurance agent who's a little bit pushier and you might not even realize it, then they can give you kind of uh, illustrations that don't really play out. They're not quite um, accurate. And so I think it's just really important that whatever questions you have to be really assertive in making sure you understand exactly what this, um, what this product is doing. And I do recommend, you know, working with an independent broker just to make sure that you have all of the options that you need. Thanks. And Erin, any final thoughts from you today as we wrap up this conversation on life insurance? Just to add what Shannon said, I think many people are intimidated by life insurance. There's a lot of lingo. It's not something you are going to have learned in school. (laughs) And so I think that lack of knowledge sometimes makes people feel that they should just rush through it. 
uh, because they want to get it over with. And it, it doesn't feel good to feel confused or to feel stupid. Um, and that's not how you should think about life insurance. This is a very important financial tool. And it's one of the few products that you might be committing to for decades. So really take the time to find someone who can be your advocate and who can help you understand your options. And don't be afraid to go through a couple people until you find that person. And then again, make sure you feel like you're getting an education. The the worst thing for me is to talk to someone who has insurance. And when I ask them, why did you buy this? They say, oh, that was the only thing that was shown to me. And when I'll say, you know, well, how does it work? They say, I have no idea. (laughs) So, you know, this is something that's important. It's an important part of your financial security. It's important for your family. You take the time to find the right help, the right team, and to get the insurance that you can feel good about. Well, thank you. I think you've demystified a lot of this for our listeners and whether they already have a policy or they're thinking about it, you've given some fantastic tips and information. So Erin, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. And Shannon, thank you. Thanks, Erin, for coming on. Thank you again to Erin Ardley from Dynama Insurance. Learn more about them at dynamainsurance.com and get more information on other areas of legal planning that parents need to know about. And you can join our community at thesavvyparent.us.